I think it's safe to say the Yankees had a better game tonight than they did the other day. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Just my microphone. And this is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you don't believe me, I can prove it with my lower third right there. You can call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for the last uh, decade or so. And for the last five seasons, I've been a podcaster here at the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Uh, follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you could follow me. I'm your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Um, I, I'm not going to give you a lot of backstory about today's podcast, but I will say this. I recorded a podcast where I basically broke down my all-star team, what my all-star game roster would be. The starters, the reserves, all the players are, a, you know, all, every team has a representative. And I did my best to put together the team, you know, as best I can. And I recorded that and that was going to be released on Thursday because I have the big roster reveal um, show on Thursday. And I recorded that earlier today. And I said, there you go. I'm going to take tonight off for podcast. I got a good podcast. It's ready to go. And in fact, I watched Indiana Jones and the last crusade, the one with Sean Connery with my sons, because we're going to go see the new Indiana Jones movie uh, tomorrow night. And we're going to you know, get in the Indiana Jones mood. And as I'm watching the game, uh, as I'm watching the, the movie, I'm not paying attention to the baseball scores. Movie ends, great movie, check my phone. <laughs> and I missed a perfect game. Not only did I miss a perfect game, I'm in the Bay Area right now. The Yankees and the A's played just across the Bay from where I am right now. And lots of good seats were available. I didn't necessarily had to use my um, my game time app in order to buy tickets there. And I toyed with the idea of going to the A's Yankee game tonight, but I said, no, no, I'm going to spend the night with my boys. Now, a perfect game was thrown. That that's only happened. 23 other times in Major League Baseball history. A perfect game. Now, remember the night before, we did. I did a whole big old thing about what an embarrassment the game when they lost 2-1 to one to Oakland. And I started talking about Cashman this and that, and the Yankees are dead for the neck up, and all this other stuff I talked about. And this is why baseball is the greatest game of all. Because you could have that humiliating loss. They had the 2-1 to one loss where the bats were dead, and they couldn't do anything. And the very next day, the Yankees won as decisively as a team can possibly play. They scored 11 runs. 11. And the A's didn't get a base runner on first. If you're an A's fan, you walked out of that game going, you, you don't, 
say this sentence. Oh, if only this happened, we would have won. What? You gave up 11 runs and the guy threw a perfect game at you. That's pretty decisive. In fact, they shouldn't even have shown up. And I can prove that. I can prove that. If a team doesn't show up and it's a forfeit, they have to put an official score down for what the, the final score would be for the run differential reason, everything like that. So the official score of a of a forfeited game is nine nothing. And none of the A's players would have had recorded any hits, but they also wouldn't have recorded any at-bats or plate appearances. They, the, the same number of hits would have been put on their ledger, but none of their averages would have gone down. And if they didn't show up, they would add negative nine to the run differential. But because they show up, they added negative 11. But the another incredible thing, Domingo Herman. Now, I am, you know, we all know Domingo Herman's past. We know his suspensions. We know the domestic violence. And I always feel like you kind of have to mention that. That being said, talking simply about the baseball right now, if you went into this game looking at his last few starts, you would be under the assumption that Domingo Herman was not just a terrible pitcher, but being on the verge of uh, being designated for assignment. That he has allowed uh, 41 runs in 72 and a third innings, which is an ERA over five. Um, he's over, he's going to be 31 pretty soon, and pitchers can break down when they get into their 30s. His previous two starts, uh, two starts ago, he went, he pitched. Uh, in the game against Boston, he lasted two innings. He allowed seven hits and seven earned runs. His previous game, which was against Seattle, just six days ago, he couldn't get out of the fourth inning. He allowed eight earned runs, eight hits. He allowed four homers, four. He allowed 10 base runners in fewer than four innings. He only pitched three of the third innings. So he went into this game. This is one of the reasons why a lot of Yankee fans were nervous about this game because the Yankees lost the game the other day, two to one. And they knew that Domingo Herman, who has been horrible, was coming up to, to pitch. And so how does he do? Complete game. Perfect game. And with that, officially, baseball has no rhyme or reason because Think about some of the players, the great players, some of the great pitchers of all time who never threw a no-hitter. Roger Clemens never knew, threw a no-hitter. Greg Maddox never threw a no-hitter. Now, Pedro Martinez, you kind of have to put an asterisk. Pedro Martinez, my favorite pitcher of all time, my favorite player of all time, um, threw a nine-inning perfect game while he pitched for Montreal but the problem was it was 0-0, and it went to the 10th, and he wound up lining up a hit in the 10th. But Pedro officially never has a no-hitter. And yet, Domingo Herman has a perfect game. And, and it's weird because you see some all-time greats with, you know, Randy Johnson threw a perfect game, Sandy Koufax threw a perfect game, and people who were, you know, great pitchers for stretches of time. 
Is Felix Hernandez a Hall of Famer? I don't know. He's I think he's on the cusp, but he threw a perfect game. Someone like Matt Kane, not a Hall of Famer, but had a his peak was incredibly high. He threw a perfect game. Then you have had journeymen like Tom Browning threw a perfect game. And then you have weird ones like Dallas Braden threw a perfect game. Philip Humber threw a perfect game. And of course, Don Larson threw a perfect game in the World Series. Look at Don Larson's career. He was a third or fourth starter at best. And yet he is the one with an immortalized perfect game in the World Series. It's a strange list of people that now includes Domingo Herman coming off of a horrible stretch. And this is the first Yankee no-hitter since Corey Kluber. Remember Corey Kluber was a Yankee? He threw a no-hitter as a Yankee. That's weird. Ron Guidry never threw a no-hitter. Think about some of the, the great Yankee pitchers who never threw a no-hitter. And Corey Kluber and Domingo Herman are the last two Yankee pitchers to throw a no-hitter. You know, perfect game for Domingo Herman. And I can't help but wonder. Sometimes you have to have a game that's a turning point. I can't help but wonder if a game like this can be a galvanizing moment for the Yankees. Now, there's some teams that throw a no-hitter, and it doesn't affect the team at all. There have been some terrible teams that throw no-hitters. There have been some contending teams that never thrown hit- no-hitters. I remember in 2007 when the Red Sox had a lead for much of the year, but it was shrinking and shrinking fast, and the Yankees were only one or two games behind them. And the Red Sox never seemed to be able to win the division. And they didn't they didn't look like they had a solid footing. It looked like they were about to cough up the division again. And Clay Buckholtz, of all people, in his second ever Major League start, threw a no-hitter. And the Red Sox, after that, cruised the division title and wound up sweeping the Rockies to, to win the World Series. Now, look, at, I don't know what's going to happen, but something positive had to happen to the Yankees after the previous game. And there's kind of a weird, bad mojo happening, especially without Judge, the sensation of, are they a losing team? And... If there, there was like, if the Yankees had lost and the Angels had won tonight, then the Yankees would have fallen out of the wild card. They would be on the outside looking in, which again, with half the season to go, but a sense of, oh man, you're not building on a strong foundation. They get a perfect game. And I'm telling you something, it's going to be interesting to see what that does for Herman. It's going to be interesting to see what that does for the psyche of the Yankees. But I'll tell you, the, one of the most interesting things for me is that John Sterling did not make the trip to Oakland. Probably, I'm not going to go to that dump. And John Sterling's not a spring chicken. And so he doesn't make every trip with the team anymore. And Michael Kay, who announced the games for ESPN in London... He's taking this trip off. He just went to London, so I'm going to take the trip off. So here we are, one of the Yankee perfect games, and neither Michael Kay nor John Sterling called it. That's an interesting thing. How is this going to unfold? I don't know, but this is why baseball is the greatest sport of all. Because on a Wednesday night, 
where you're thinking, ah, I'm going to just watch a Deanna Jones and record an Evergreen podcast and call it a night. History can happen. Does that happen with other sports? I'm not 100% sure. The fact of the matter is, it happens in baseball. And the owner of the Mets gave us a valuable lesson that we're going to talk about in segment two. I can't help but think about the odds of Domingo Herman throwing a perfect game. And if I were a betting man, oh boy, someone cleaned up tonight, which reminds me of betting using FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. Go there and say, I think Domingo Herman's throwing a perfect game. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you can land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting from the money line to the over-under, who you think is going to hit the first home run, or whether or not Domingo Herman is going to throw a perfect game. It's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel is an official partner of Major League Baseball. I don't play fantasy baseball, but you know somewhere out there, there's someone who has a fantasy baseball team, and they have Domingo Herman on their roster. And they looked at him and said, you know, I'm not going to activate him today. He's stunk the last couple of games. He's not giving me innings. He's been awful. I'm going to bench him today. And that person doesn't get the perfect game on their fantasy team. You know, the other day I was talking about the fact that Steve Cohen uh, was going to do some big announcement. And I thought, does that mean it's the end of Buck Showalter with the Mets? And today the Mets lost again. Um, this time uh, it was a 5-2 to two loss to the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. The same day it was announced that Max Scherzer would be willing to waive his no-trade clause. You know, the Mets would probably have to eat a ton of his contract, but maybe they'd be able to get something in return. The biggest payroll in the history of baseball are in all probability going to be sellers at the trade deadline. And Steve Cohen said, you're going to hear it from me. And I wonder, because he's still a relatively new owner, was this going to be the death knell of the Showalter era? And he did indeed give a press conference and basically said, no, no. I'm a patient man. And with that, I kind of realized, man, why, why am I forgetting this all the time? Why am I forgetting the ebbs and flows of a baseball season? And sometimes having a bad year isn't always the worst thing in the world. Sometimes it gives you an opportunity to reset. Sometimes it gives you an opportunity to get your ducks in a row. Sometimes, like what will probably happen with the Mets this year, is they may shed some of their veterans and maybe acquire a young player here or there, 
but basically say, okay, it's maybe not going to happen this year, but let's not panic. Baseball is a game where one day you are almost shut out by one of the worst teams in baseball, and the next day you win 11 to nothing with a perfect game. And Cohen seems to understand that. And maybe, just maybe, we should learn from that a little bit. Maybe, just maybe, we should understand that these ebbs and flows are going to happen. And some things are going to be weird. Do you know something that's weird? The first game that was played today uh, was between Atlanta and Minnesota. I guess a rematch of the 1991 World Series, which I think was the greatest World Series I've ever seen. It was basically a bullpen game for the Braves, or if it wasn't, it, it was just a lot of pitches being used. Final score was 3 nothing. And the game played much later in the day. The Guardians went to Kansas City, and Kansas City might be the worst team in baseball. And you want to talk about bad run differential, the Guardians won 14-1. to that's a negative 13 run differential for the Royals. It was a bad night for the run differential for the A's and the Royals. Now, why am I bringing up those two games? In this game where uh, Jose Ramirez wound up hitting a grand slam and the you know the Guardians made mincemeat out of the Kansas City Royals, and with that, the Royals are now a sub-300 team. Cleveland has improved their record to 39 and 40. They'll they've played 79 games and have lost 40 of them. Which is almost the definition of mediocre. It's a little worse than mediocre because it's a sub they're sub 500. They've won 7 of their last 10. They're still sub 500. And tomorrow is the last day of June. That's not very good. And maybe just maybe they should be taking a good long look at Shane Bieber and some of their other pitchers and saying, we package them together, especially in this is a seller's market, we can get those young players. Here's the problem. With that 39 and 40 record, they are now in first place by themselves with a sub-500 record on the eve of the final day of June the Cleveland Guardians can start calculating their magic number. They will be in first place by themselves and be sellers at the same time. I mean, and not even in a sort of like impulsive, the Brewers trading away Hader or the A's trading away Cespedes in some sort of strange situation. They'd be like, yeah, we should rebuild. We're not very good. We may win our second straight division title, but we're not really that good. The Minnesota Twins have fallen. They've dropped their last three games. And they're now sub 500. They're sub 490 and no longer in first place. For the first time since Memorial Day, when calculating the summer score, every day the Twins can look up and say, hey, we're not very good, but at least we're in first. Now here we are, Cleveland. Things don't always make sense. Things don't always make sense in the world right now. The You take a look at some of the other games that went on playing today. The Reds and the Orioles played a game that was so crazy 
the last time a baseball game was witnessed by as much craziness was in the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Back and forth, three runs for Cincinnati in the first, four runs for Baltimore in the first. And a just a, a mammoth uh, game-tying home run by Frazier in the eighth inning, only to have a two-run homer by Friedel. All of a sudden, the Reds, who allowed seven runs in Camden Yards, have regained first place with their two victories. The Brewers kept pace with a victory over the Mets, who are not, you know, who are not quite sure what they're doing right now. Are they sellers? What are they doing? I don't know, and neither do you. The Pirates have pulled themselves off the mat a little bit. They're still sub 500, but they've won the last couple of games. They're starting to crawl back. And Santana got a two-run home run. And Snell, who's been pitching wonderfully for San Diego, wet the bed. And if you asked me who's going to throw a perfect game today, I probably would have said Snell and not Domingo Herman. Webb has been a wonderful pitcher for San Francisco today. So naturally, he got absolutely bombed by Toronto in a 6-1. to one. It was 5 nothing after 1. Nothing makes sense. Nothing makes sense. The Astros won again in a 10-7 game, but the Rangers also won 10-2. So the defending World Series champion Houston Astros are on the outside looking in. They are not a playoff team right now with a record of 43-37. and But the Cleveland Guardians are with a record of 39-40. and Does baseball make sense? Of course it doesn't. Will the entire goodness of a perfect game be wiped away if the Yankees lose tomorrow? Actually, kind of, yeah. Because even if they wind up having an 11 to nothing perfect game, that would get wiped out psychologically if the A's win the series. This is why baseball is the greatest. The euphoria of the A's, of, of, of uh, the Yankees having a complete game, perfect game in less than 12 hours from now could be completely a race if the Yankees don't win that game. Even with a perfect game in there, say, so yeah, but you lost two out of three to the A's. There's no game like this. But don't despair, A's fans. Do you know who's pitching for you today? TBD. TBD is always good. In case you're wondering, that means it's to be determined. They're not sure yet. I don't have a trivia question for today because I set up a trivia question for um, the the All-Star roster show. And I gave the answer to the previous question and dropped a new trivia question on there. So um, I don't have one prepared for today because I don't want to have multiple answers floating around. But I'll tell you one thing. I'm, a couple of people have sent me some, some tweets, and I'm going to answer some of them right now. Uh, it's on my phone. If you see me looking down, um, uh, here we go. Um, uh, Jeff Cohen, who is always, uh, he's been a guest on the show says the, the Mets and Padres are big disappointments. I was talking about some of the disappointments in baseball, but what about the Mariners figured they'd be contending for the division after last season? Absolutely. And the Mariners made some big moves this last year, including bringing in Teoscar Hernandez. 
Um, I think when you take a look at some of the the managers who might be in the hot seat, I don't know why um, service would not be mentioned in that as well. You know, um, the only only two teams that are not in the AL Central, only two American League teams that were not in the AL Central would be either in first or tied for first if they were in the Central. Um, the A's obviously are a bad team, and they would not be in first place. But the Mariners also have a worse record than the Cleveland Guardians. The Mariners were supposed to be good this year, and they're not. And while there is a lot of goodwill and positivity over the fact that they snuck into the uh, playoffs last year, then they won that wild series against the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, this is a disappointment. And if they wound up with a losing record in a year where they were supposed to be taking the next big step, I'm sorry, Is would you have to start thinking of the Mariners as a team where you have to make a change to the manager who's going to take it to the next level? Is that a Joe Madden landing spot? I'm, I didn't say that out loud. Is it? Could it be? I, I'm not saying anything. Could they be? Might be looking at it? Joe Madden. I don't know. We'll find out. We're all going to find out. Okay. What? What? Let's see. What else do we have uh, in terms of tweets that were sent to your pal Sully? Uh, Michael Hughes says, "Hey Sully, I know free agency came to Major League Baseball in 1976, but what happened to players that got released before that day? Could they sign with another organization? That's exactly what happened. There was a reserve clause, which meant that." teams this this is the way they interpreted the law or interpreted the contract it turned out not to be the case after a while but the teams could basically uh renew another player's contract in perpetuity and if they didn't want to do that they just wouldn't offer them a contract and then they could go off and sign with anybody else that's what happened when babe ruth left the yankees is they didn't offer him a contract and so he went off and he signed elsewhere and if if a player got cut they could sign with whomever they like. One of the most famous instances of that was in 1926. And I mentioned this in a previous podcast, uh, the great pitcher Grover Cleveland Alexander, who was brilliant in the 1910s when he was a pitcher in Philadelphia, but he was pitching for the Cubs and floundering with the Cubs in the 1926. And manager Joe McCarthy uh, wound up saying, I don't need this guy anymore. And so they wound up cutting him. I mean, he could sign with whomever he wanted to. And he wound up signing with the St. Louis Cardinals and gave the team a little bit of a boost and ultimately uh, became a World Series hero coming out of the bullpen to save the World Series for the St. Louis Cardinals. But he was released by the Chicago Cubs and he signed with whom he had liked. So that's what would have happened. Uh, a couple of people asked me, including Bill Jacobson, asked me because I gave the trivia question the other day of who was the, the first Padre to lead the league in home runs. And it was Fred McGriff. Um, a couple of people asked me if, if Ken Caminiti also had done that and when he won the MVP in 1996. And the answer is no, he did not lead the league in home runs. He had 40 home runs, but the the league leader that year was the big cat, Andres Galarraga. Um, it, a couple, though, here. Um, there, was, um, um, there were a couple of people that I w- had a little bit of a back and forth about the history of George Steinbrenner because you see a lot of people saying things like you know George wouldn't would not tolerate all this losing and everything and I pointed out that he had long stretches where 
his meddling actually hurt the Yankees. Seinfeld fans will remember the rant that George Costanza went against Steinbrenner about turning the Yankees into a laughingstock for all of his meddling because that's what was happening. The George must go chants were happening. So I had a bunch of back and forths with some other uh with some other uh um fans but uh but and I had one other one here. Um the uh oh I, I lost it. Oh dear. I had a question and I, I don't know what happened to it. Um and there and there was a couple things to mention on from the YouTube commenters. Um oh this was it. Uh George Mann uh is when I was talking about uh Shohei Otani said, Can you imagine the Angels making a crazy move such as trading Mike Trout to keep Shohei Otani? And the answer is this. No, no. Mike Trout is the greatest angel of all time, and he signed a contract that will keep him in Anaheim until the heat death of the universe. Shohei Otani is a Hall of Fame talent, but you're not going to trade away the superstar that you have built this team around because that the first thing that would happen if you trade Mike Trout, I mean, that doesn't... <laughs> whatever you get back in return will not equal Mike Trout. And Shohei Otani would take one look at that and say, have you lost your minds? You just traded Mike Trout. Bye. And so at the end of that, you will have traded Mike Trout for pennies on the dollar and lost Shohei Otani. So the fact of the matter is, no, I don't see that happening. Nope. Well, folks, look at, um, I'm going to post this episode and then, uh, later I'll also post the episode that was supposed to be here where I break down my edition of the all-star team where every single player is represented. And so look at, sometimes you think you could take the night off. I thought I could. John Sterling thought he could. Michael Kay thought he could, but let's take the wisdom of Steve Cohen and realize Let's be patient. Baseball is a game for those who are patient. So go to Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at Sully Baseball, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram, and leave your comments down here on the YouTube page for those of you who are watching my face. Talking about turning your back on baseball and missing perfection. This has been Locked On MLB. Keep your eyes open. Something strange is going to happen. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.